Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man with a deeper shade of soul. Here is the captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today, we are still sipping on this fine IPA Imperial Double called TDH Double Alien Church. This delicious, powerful ale is triple dry hopped with four different kinds of hops, ABV 9%, and garage grade four and three quarter bottle caps out of five. And let's give some thanks and praise to our good friends that helped us fill up this week's beer fridge. First up, a big shout out to Ben, Stacy, and Alfie in Great Meadows, New Jersey. And a big shout out to Caitlin in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Next up, we have a cheers to Mark and Kara in Bridgeton, Maine. And a big shout out to Matt and Jason. They're both mail carriers at the Rexburg, Idaho post office. So cheers to you guys. Cheers to you mates. Double cheers to Matt and Jason. Next up, Captain, we have Kim in Lynchburg, Virginia, who says, drink up monkey boys, which implies we are (laughs) half monkey and half boy. I'll Um, take it. Have you ever seen the little flying monkeys? That's actually a step up from what we truly are. So thank you to Kim for the compliment. And last but certainly not least, we have a big cheers and a big Ron Swanson please and thank you that goes out to Denise and Duvall, Washington. Everyone we just mentioned, well, they called us names like Monkey Boy and donated to this week's beer fund. And for that, we thank you. Yeah, B-W-E-R-U-N, Beer Run. Don't be a donkey. Be a monkey. Hey, for everything true crime, check out truecrimegarage.com. Make sure you sign up on our mailing list. And if you need more True Crime Garage, check out. Look, you're missing out if you're not signed up for Off the Record. It's it's True Crime Garage on steroids. Sign up for that 
at truecrimegarage.com. And that's enough of business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Trish Haynes was murdered three years ago, and to this day, there are several good suspects for her murder. How about we get to know some of these dirtbags a little better, shall we? Let's start off with dirtbag number one, Doug Smith. On January 17th of 2020, there was some news that was of interest to those following Trish's case. New Hampshire State Police announced that they were seeking the public's help in finding a man wanted on two outstanding felony domestic violence warrants. Police were looking for 31-year-old Douglas Carl Smith Jr. Looks like old Dougie Boy was on the run. The U.S. Marshals Service was tasked with tracking him down. While he was on the lam, additional charges were piled on. In March of 2020, state police issued another alert saying Smith was, quote, Wanted on numerous outstanding arrest warrants from multiple jurisdictions. Mr. Smith has knowingly concealed his location from law enforcement. In doing so, Smith has committed a new felony-level offense by failing to register as a criminal offender. But it wasn't just new charges of evading law enforcement. Two rape charges were added. Authorities saying Smith is wanted on several warrants, including aggravated felonious sexual assault, second-degree assault, bail violations, a felon in possession, and reckless conduct with a firearm, as well as failing to register as a sex offender. This is according to Jeffrey White, a deputy U.S. Marshal. He goes on to say that Doug Smith should be considered to be armed and dangerous. And also considered a douchebag. Doug Smith's wanted status was big news, publicized across the country, and even featured on Fugitive of the Week on A&E's live PD show. But that's not the end of it. When we put Doug Smith under the garage microscope, we see that Doug Smith is a scrap metal and parts dealer, but he's also rumored to be a meth dealer and user. Smith's arrest record is lengthy, dating back to July 2009, when he was convicted of felonious sexual assault in Merrimack County and required to register as a sex offender. Over the years... He was also convicted of criminal threatening, burglary, and assault. At least one woman he assaulted has a permanent restraining order against him. In 2019, he racked up additional charges. That year, he was convicted of receiving stolen property and tampering with public records information. And this is a weird one. He was indicted for wrongful voting, for allegedly voting in both Grafton and Danbury in March of 2018. According to the indictment, he wasn't qualified to vote in Danbury because a person can claim only one domicile for voting purposes. Boom, voter fraud. It's pretty funny that this dirtbag, who I firmly believe beats women and steals from the government, is so concerned with voting that he did it twice, illegally. This proves that anybody that's too invested in politics is probably a shit princess. It's very important to note that in some of his criminal offenses, Doug Smith had an accomplice. This was in the form of his wife, dirtbag number two, 
Ashley Smith. And we will get to her. But first, some more dirtbag stuff on Doug. On August 18th, 2019, on Parade Ground Cemetery Road in Warner, Doug Smith shot at a moving vehicle that was attempting to get away from him. Arrest warrants were issued for Smith in September for this incident, but police could not find him and he refused to turn himself in. This after learning of the warrants. He was considered a fugitive from justice. While police in Warner and surrounding communities were on the lookout for him, the U.S. Marshals Service was called in to assist in the efforts. He finally surrendered without incident on September 5th and was arrested. He was charged with several felony counts. The media noted that the arrestee, Doug Smith, was being investigated in connection with the disappearance and murder of Trish Haynes, who was living with him and his wife. What's shocking here is that Smith, despite facing a litany of charges, well, he was actually released on $10,000 bail. This was in late 2019. And true to form, Smith skipped out on the bail and fled town. This leads us to the 2020, where he was on the lam being sought by the New Hampshire State Police and the U.S. Marshals Service. But the U.S. Marshals usually get their guy. And here they finally caught up with Doug Smith on June 9th, 2020 in West Charleston, Vermont. Here's an excerpt from the Concord, New Hampshire patch on how the arrest went down. Smith was located outside of a residence in the 1700 block of Hudson Road, where he had been staying with friends while using the name Robert. Supervisory deputy at the U.S. Marshals Service Jeff White said Smith initially complied with commands, but once he figured out that he was about to be arrested, he resisted attempts to place him in handcuffs. Smith was quickly subdued with a taser, so you can feel good about that, and handcuffed by the task force. Hopefully they zapped him a few extra times just for fun. Right in the grundle. When Robert, a.k.a. Doug Smith, was arrested, he was found to be in the company of a woman and a newborn baby. It was Ashley and their newborn child. Their other five children were removed from their care by the state's children's services. Right. So let's have more kids. This time, Smith would not be able to avoid prison time. He took a, quote, global plea agreement among Merrimack and Sullivan counties, as well as the New Hampshire Attorney General's office. Mm. This is a complicated thing, and I'm going to kind of sum it up here. We spoke about all the things that he was going to be charged with. Some of them we went into more depth than others. This comprehensive deal meant that the defendant, Smith, would take a plea to multiple unrelated charges from differing jurisdictions. So they're all lumped together in this one agreement, but he's basically pleading guilty to all the charges. So he pled guilty to several felonies and misdemeanors. Smith was sentenced on December 10th, 2020 to five to 10 years in prison and will serve concurrent sentences on some of those charges. So for now, New Hampshire, He's locked up. So I think law enforcement should get a little creative and they should like tape scissors to his hands. So he doesn't have hands. He just has like working scissors and then they light his crotch on fire. Well, we're going to discuss some other ways that the authorities could get creative in this case as we go along. As far as evidence goes, 
that Doug Smith is responsible for what happened to Trish. Of course, if the police have anything that's concrete, concrete physical evidence, they're not saying so on the public level. All of the evidence that we know of is thanks to the efforts of Trish's family and, of course, is circumstantial. But it is as follows. We know that Trish was staying with Doug and Ashley when she vanished, and there was witnesses that say they abused her, that they were exhibiting control over her, and even cut off communication between Trish and her family. Doug Smith has a history of violence and a long rap sheet of criminal behavior. I think we should, we say the word rap sheet a lot, and I think we should break down that acronym for people. It's it's a real acronym, and I believe it stems from the New York City court system, where it's an acronym that stands for Report of Arrest and Prosecution. So as we know, because we've reviewed it, Doug Smith has an extensive rap sheet. Doug and Ashley have not cooperated with the investigation. In fact, they told police and they told Trish's family that she left and moved to Vermont. Well, and what we see a lot of times in cases, law enforcement might have a lot on this dirt bag, but because he already has these pending charges, well, let's arrest him for these. Let's get him at least behind bars, get the public safe, and we can continue to work on this criminal investigation. We also have the fact that Trish was found dismembered in a washer slash dryer that was lifted from a pond very near one of the locations where Doug and Ashley were known to have lived. Yeah, within, I think, four miles, right? It was 0.3 miles. Oh. Very close. But there is reason to believe that Doug Smith is possibly not the one who killed Trish or not solely responsible, that someone else may have killed Trish. Maybe Doug just helped to cover it up. Yeah, maybe just an accessory. So let's get to... As promised, Captain Dirtbag number two, Ashley Smith. Many people believe that Ashley is responsible for what happened. Mm. So what is Ashley's rap sheet? One, the fact that her and Doug's five kids were removed from their care by child services. Next, the 2019 state police blotter shows Ashley E. Smith, age 26, of Danbury, pled guilty to tampering with public records. Then she pled guilty to a second charge of tampering with public records. She pled guilty to unsworn falsification. Now, I don't know what all of this pertains to exactly, but clearly she's fine with breaking the law to serve her own purposes. Then in October of 2019, this is while Doug was still facing charges for the shooting incident. The, uh, Croydon police were called to 235 Croydon Turnpike for a domestic disturbance. This was Doug and Ashley's residence at that time. Croydon police chief Richard Lee responded to the call and found a car parked on the road with a man and woman inside. He asked if they were involved in a domestic and they said no. So he drove to the house where he found Doug Smith. Here's what happened, according to the union leader. Lee got to the house and spoke to Doug Smith, who told him that Ashley Smith had just left and was going nuts. Another man, Brandon Teeter, 19, had been at the house and told 
Lee that the Smiths engaged in a loud argument. And at one point, Ashley Smith tried to drive away in a car that Doug Smith did not want her to have. This is according to an affidavit per the union leader. Now, we took a look and reviewed this affidavit. It alleges that Doug and Ashley were arguing about him cheating on her and Ashley wanted to leave in a car that Doug owned. Doug didn't want her to take the car. And so according to this witness, Ashley got into the car and started to drive off, but old Dougie boy threw himself onto the hood of the vehicle to prevent her from leaving. <laughs> oh, it gets better, my friend. It gets better. It's very romantic. Yeah. This is this is very like crazy soap. Please, please stop. I need you in my life. Yeah, crazy soap opera shit right here. I can't be as shitty if you're not with me. Yeah, so according to the affidavit, it says that uh, once he jumped on, threw himself onto the hood of the car, <laughs> Ashley then yelled to Doug, and we know this to be true because we got the witness. Imagine this witness, too. Like He's like, what the heck is going on? Ashley yells to Doug, the, the oldest saying in the book, right? If I can't have you, then no one can have you. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, because you really want Doug. We ain't done. Uh, to which Doug responded, quote, I'll send you back to the fucking mental hospital where you belong. <laughs> so Ashley drove off with Doug clinging to the hood of the vehicle until she threatened to drive into a tree. Okay. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> keep going. I'm, I'm sorry. Well. She says, hey, I'm going to drive this car into a tree, and then Doug gets off of the vehicle. So first off, there's more stable relationships on the Jerry Springer show than these two maniacs. Makes me feel better about my first marriage. And back to the portion of if I can't have you, then no one will. Who in their right mind would want anything to do with either of these asshats? No. All right. But what is important here is that when Ashley realized that the police were coming... She threw her purse, which contained a loaded gun, out the car window and threw it into the woods. The witness, this teeter fella, later drove the chief of police to show him where the purse was located and retrieve it. So Chief Lee returned the purse to Ashley, but kept the Ruger handgun that he found inside the purse because he wanted to verify its ownership and run it through NCIC. Chief Lee said Ashley became belligerent, demanding that the gun be returned to her. She was adamant that her father obtained the gun in a, quote, backwoods sale, and there was no legal documentation regarding its ownership. Ashley told Lee that she borrowed the gun from her dad because she was being threatened. She said that she threw it out the window because she wasn't supposed to have a gun. So... She threw she threw the gun out the window because she wasn't supposed to have a gun, but she also tried to run a man over and crash her car into a tree so the man would die. Okay. Well, and she says that she's not supposed to be in possession of a firearm because of a restraining order that was against her from a name that we've heard before, Faith Partridge. So this restraining order was in effect from May 2019 until May of 2020. Now, remember, Faye Partridge, 
She's the woman who came to the Smith's home with her husband and her husband witnessed Doug Smith backhanding Trish Haynes. I think maybe they were trying to start a cult or something. Well, I don't know exactly what happened here, but Faith Partridge was scared enough and there was enough evidence of Ashley threatening her to actually get that restraining order that was in place for one year. The next part is crazy, if the first part wasn't crazy enough. (laughs) After the gun was taken away, Ashley then filed a complaint with the New Hampshire State Police reporting Chief Lee for stealing her gun and her money. The gun that she threw away. That she's not allowed to have, that has no legal documentation. Of course, her allegations didn't stand and her case was thrown out. And Ashley was charged with false reporting, falsifying physical evidence, violation of a protection order, and breach of bail conditions. She was out on bail after posting $5,000 in cash. Uh, She was facing, she is, I should be clear on that, she is facing up to seven years in prison. So, here we sit, Captain, right? July of 2021, and we find two still pending cases involving Ashley Smith. One was in Warner for violation of privacy and uh, one for false reporting and falsifying physical evidence. That's all from some of that's from that gun incident that we just spoke about. But that's not all. Trish Haynes family says that this behavior is typical of Ashley and her family. I don't think that it you have to use much of an imagination to believe this statement. Mm-hmm. Her mother, Wendy, who we discussed very briefly on yesterday's show, have confronted and antagonized people about Trish, threatening them if they talk about the case. So we have Ashley that's tied to this case because Trish lived with her, but now that we know it's a homicide and we know that Ashley's a complete scumbag, her and her mother have gone out of their way to online and otherwise threaten people to not talk about Trish's case, including Trish Haynes' family. And her mother, Wendy Place, even posted stuff online about Trish trashing her and implying that Trish killed herself. And Ashley and her mom are brazen in their defiance of this investigation, so much so to the point, Captain, where they've taunted the Haynes family. I mean, right? this has to be some evidence that law enforcement is collecting. We we know, based off what the family has taught us, is, is, hey, at some point, Ashley's controlling Trish. She's not letting us talk, and talk to her directly. We have to talk to her indirectly. She's not posting anything online. She's not e- even using her own cell phone. So she's under control of Ashley. She, she's last seen with Ashley and her and her husband, Doug, and then you're online threatening Trisha's family to shut up about the case and and not talk about the case. I mean, well, and I want to point something out here because we will have some people from New Hampshire and from Florida and, and other where, where they've not listened to our show before. So I do want to go out of my way to point out that usually we're not using this amount of language but because of the case and because of the language that is in this case, involved in this case, we are going to use it because we're, you know, we don't hold back. So this next part is, I mean, it doesn't get any more public than this, 
right? When Trisha's family, they had custom pink t-shirts made that said justice for Trish. They were wearing these shirts to rallies and to vigils for their murdered loved one. This is not just a lost loved one. This is a murdered loved one, a murder victim. They made these nice custom pink t-shirts that say justice for Trish. Ashley Smith and her mother, Wendy Place, and some of their friends, God only knows how they have friends, made their own custom pink t-shirts that say, fuck your justice, Trish. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know how it gets any more obvious. Fuck your couch. As to what probably happened here in this case. Now, as if that is not strange enough, in a weird, bizarre twist, Wendy Place, this is Ashley Smith's mom, who has posted nasty things about Trish and verbally attacked people for accusing her daughter, lost her own mother at age 10 to foul play. Betty Place vanished from Warner, New Hampshire, when Wendy was 10 years old in 1978 and has never been found. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 
5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, cheers, mates. Cheers to everybody in the front, in the back, and the nasty people in the middle. Cheers, Colonel. Cheers to you, Captain. All right, everybody get out the garden hose and prepare yourself because we're about to talk about some car fires, some vehicle fires. Mm. The local authorities in several different locations were investigating some fires that were set to, one, a pickup truck, one, a car fire in a driveway, and then a third car was set on fire. This was a four-door sedan. In all situations, Captain, most of these cars, these vehicles were reduced to little more than its frame. And you go, okay, well, what does this have to do with Trish Haynes's case? Well, maybe they're burning the cars to hide evidence. That was my first thought. 
But after some digging, it turns out that it couldn't be further from that. In fact, what it is, is that Trisha's family says that all three of these vehicle fires, which we should point out, have been deemed to be arson in all three cases. Right. Three separate incidents, all deemed to be arson. Trisha's family says that they were set on purpose to destroy the vehicles of persons who have cooperated and spoke with the police in regards to Trisha's case. Kayla. So, so it's a threat is what it is. You're exactly right. Captain Kayla Fife mentioned in one of the news articles that we discussed was the one who had told the family that she saw Trish being mistreated. So one of the vehicles set on fire and destroyed was that of Kayla Fife's. One of the vehicle fires happened to the brother of a guy who happened to die on a camping trip with Doug and Ashley Smith. Yeah, surprise, surprise. You you hang out with these two, you end up tortured or dead. Don't go out into the woods with Doug and Ashley Smith. Old Doug the dirtbag. And the third vehicle that was burned belonged to a woman that we are just going to call her Person A, because I want to keep her name out of it. Now, a source contacted Trisha's family and told them the following in a series of texts that I've personally read. The source said that the person who killed Trish was Ashley Smith. And the source knows this because she is very close with person A. And A is a close friend of Ashley's. Person A spent a lot of time at the Smith home in the spring this is the same time in question here, Captain, in the spring of 2018. Person A told the source that Ashley would starve and beat Trish, pick on her, belittle her, and force her to do all of her dirty work around the house and with the kids. She even accused Trish of trying to steal Doug, which we know from that other incident how Ashley feels about Doug, if she can't have him, no one can. Person A did say that on occasion, Doug was nicer to Trish than Ashley, even trying to sneak her food at times. Now, when Trish vanished, Person A believed that she left and moved on at first. Unbeknownst to her, one day, Doug and Ashley left for the day, and Doug did not know this. But Ashley locked Trish in a non-working freezer in their basement where Trish died of suffocation. So she was left in there for a long time until apparently Ashley and Doug had to get rid of her. At this point, Ashley asked person A to help her prepare the basement for renovations by cleaning out the freezer, which this unnamed person says reeked of death. I wonder because her remains being found one in the manner in which they were found and then and then also being submerged in water for so long if they would be able to even be able to prove if that story is correct. Person A says that they witnessed blood and what they believe to be human hair in the freezer. Now Ashley told this person that they used to keep deer meat in the freezer to explain away the blood in the hair. Mm. But person A also saw Ashley in possession of Trisha's cell phone, which 
this person says was in working order and told that other source that Doug had admitted in a panicked state to disposing of Trisha's body. Doug the dirtbag. Person A also found it strange that they had gotten rid of a washer and dryer that was working properly at the time that they got rid of it. Person A later gathered that Ashley dismembered Trish. Some of A's story is in fact backed up by a witness named Beverly who says she heard the same story from the Coulters. Remember, this was the other couple that was living there around the same time. So as we said, there are stories from people who are close to Ashley and Doug that say that Ashley is responsible for what happened to Trish. It's hard for me to believe that she acted alone, though. No, I think think Doug helped her, yeah. Right, or that Doug wouldn't have known anything about it. Make him making him at least accessory to the murder. Well, and there's also been something said, and I don't know how well this can be backed up. Like I said, there's more than one person backing up person A's story. Person B. Well, no, I mentioned them, but there were also uh, uh, rumors that Ashley's brother, Byron, and her father may have been. Uh, helping to conceal the body as well. This is a whole family of freaking dirt bags. So again, this person who witnessed all of this and put together what happened to Trish person a was the third person whose car was set on fire in 2019. The fires, the family believes were warnings to these witnesses not to cooperate any further with the investigation into Trish's murder. So to recap, according to witnesses, who have spoken to Trisha's family. Trish was killed at the hands of Ashley Smith, whose crime was aided and abetted by Doug and several others. Yeah, it seems like this would be enough information for law enforcement to act upon. I agree. And it seems like these suspicious car fires and some other situations have really plagued witnesses to putting together this complete story for prosecution and arrest to move forward. So where do things stand now? Well, the family of Trish Haynes is very frustrated, as you can imagine, with the investigation. They say that they have not been kept in the loop at all by the state police, and the attorney general's office refuses to discuss the case or even assure the family that it is being worked on. There was a Facebook post by Valerie. Again, she's the aunt. She's the one that's kind of spearheading the, uh, investigation as far as the family goes that says so at the end of last week i sent emails to the governor and the ag asking when we could see any form of justice for trish my emails were all well written and extremely polite today i got a response from the attorney general this is the email that i received good morning we received your email regarding trish haynes the investigation into her death remains an open case however We have not been able to determine what, if any, criminal charges can be brought. If you or anyone else has information that they think would be helpful, please ask them to contact our office or the New Hampshire State Police so that we can obtain their information. And this is signed Jeff Strelzen, which again is the attorney general. Right. Now, we sent our own questions 
to the AG's office and hoping to get some information back, really just trying to stir the pot a little bit and remind them that people are paying attention to this case and that the garage army will be listening and watching. And here's the response that was sent to us by the assistant AG. It says, good morning. Your email regarding the Trish Haynes case was forwarded to me. Here are our responses to your questions. Question one, were investigators able to determine the origin of the washer and dryer in which Trish's remains were found? This seems like if you can determine and you already have witnesses saying that it came from the Smith's home, well, then it's not a very difficult leap to make, right, Captain, that they put her in there and dumped this washer and dryer. Right. The answer we got was, in accordance with the New Hampshire Rules of Professional Conduct for Attorneys and the fact that this is an open case, we cannot answer that question. That means, that means no, they have not determined where the washer and dryer came from or they don't have the proof to back it up. The thing that I'm truly afraid of is there's a chance that they didn't think to figure out where it came from. Next question. Is there any connection between the three recent car fires victimizing witnesses in the Trish Haynes case? Answer. Potential crimes like those you reference are typically investigated by local police and prosecutors, not the attorney general's office. First off, notice how he knows exactly which car fires we are referencing. Right. So that's very interesting. Here's the thing, Captain. Yes. I think that law enforcement probably worked this thing pretty good. It looks to me like they found the remains. They found some evidence for this thing to move forward. It's at the prosecution level at this point. I agree. It's these prosecutors that are going to have to press charges that are going to have to take this thing to court that are going to have to pursue this thing further. And really what you just heard is a non answer from the assistant attorney general. So citizens of New Hampshire, what this really means is that they're dodging questions or maybe they dropped the ball. Maybe the prosecutors dropped the ball on this very horrific case and following up with any type of types of charges. Why would they do that? Who the heck knows? But here's what I'm concerned with. It's the lack of commitment to protect law-abiding citizens in their constituency that is alarming to me. I would like to offer up some words of encouragement to Jeff Strezel to take this case, to take a personal invested interest in the Trish Hayes case because this case is 100% a perfect example of why we need laws, law enforcement, and punishment of removing those that are the most dangerous from society. Right. And this case is very solvable. It is. This is a case where dirtbag number one and number two tricked this woman, enslaved her, beat her, starved her, stole and spent the money our government determined this woman needed to survive because she had a legit disability. And then when it was determined that Trish Haynes was murdered, people threatened those who would help police in this murder investigation. We live in a time when people want to defund the police, defund law enforcement. Trish Haynes should be the poster child for why that is a bad idea. We need law enforcement led by a true general of law enforcement. These people are threatening witnesses. 
If you allow witnesses to be threatened and scared off from doing the right thing, well, then why have law enforcement at all? Because these laws mean nothing if you don't enforce them. So is it that they just don't have enough to bring charges? Is it that they're not working the case hard enough? Are they looking at Trish as an individual that was on disability and just a less than in society? My opinion would be I'm worried that the AG's office thinks that they have bigger fish to fry. And I think that couldn't be further from the truth. I think that, again, this case is, it should be, it's a prime example of why we need law and order. You can't have people committing murder and then running around threatening anybody that knows anything about the case Mm. to scare them off. And so I just think that while at the police and local level, they've probably worked the case again, they probably worked it pretty good. I just don't understand why when you have witnesses that are willing to talk and give you the information you need that you haven't pursued some kind of justice here in this case. It's, it's very confusing to me. Now we asked several other important questions and we got a whole bunch of more non answers. So I won't waste everyone's time with those questions and those answers. Right. Now, it certainly seems to me, and I think that most of our garage friends, Captain, will agree that enough witnesses have information about what happened to Trish at the hands of the Smiths that some charges could successfully be leveled against them. Doug and Ashley need to answer for the murder of this young woman who was last seen in their care and whose family misses and loves her very much. There is an upcoming rally at the New Hampshire State Capitol building in Concord. This to push New Hampshire state officials to engage in more aggressive prosecution of this case. We will be posting on our social media a flyer that the family of Trish Haynes would like to be circulated to spread the word Mm -hmm. about this rally because Look, at the end of the day, they need people to show up in support to help and to encourage the proper members of law enforcement and the proper agencies to move forward with Trisha's case. If you allow people like Ashley and Doug Smith in your communities, well, then it's just a matter of time until they kill, harm, steal from, and threaten more innocent people. Yeah, or light your car on fire. Or light your car on fire. That's right. Don't go camping with the Smiths. Don't go camping. Don't, don't, don't carpool with them. Don't live with them. Don't look in their freezer. Nothing. Don't help them clean the basement either. Don't help them clean the basement. I'll close out this episode by reading the flyer for this very important event that will be Saturday, September 4th at noon at the state Capitol building in Concord, New Hampshire. And it says, and I was murdered in New Hampshire. My murderers walk free. Last seen May slash June 2018. Reported missing July 5th, 2018. Crime scene identified August 28th, 2018. My remains were found and identified September 2018. Family was ordered not to share with the public. 
Notification by the AG's office to public that remains were located and identified by July 12, 2019. No arrest made, no new leads, no new evidence. Why? My murder remains unsolved. My murderers have not been held accountable. My last days on earth were tortured. My life was taken too soon. See me. Please be my voice. Rally for Justice, Saturday, September 4, 2021, at noon, State Capitol Building, Concord, New Hampshire. And then it's followed up, Captain, with a call for action saying, please call, write, or email. Tell them who you are and why you are calling and demand justice. And then it lists the information for the Attorney General's office, as well as the State Police Major Crimes Unit. Hashtag justice for Trish Haynes. What a fascinating case, and we want to hear from you. What are your thoughts and opinions about this case? Go to truecrimegarage.com and join the blog and let us know what your thoughts are. Colonel, do we have any recommended reading for this week? Yes, we do, Captain. This week we are recommending Trial by Fire, a devastating tragedy 100 Lives Lost in the 15-Year Search for Truth by Scott James. If you're looking for something to read, you're going to want to check this one out because it's an amazing book. It's about the fire at the station nightclub that left 100 people dead and 230 people injured. And this investigation took 15 years for the whole story to emerge. And the only way you're going to get that whole story is by checking out Trial by Fire by Scott James. You can find that great title and many other recommendations on our recommended page at truecrimegarage.com. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't listen. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.